Good day to you. Thanks for tuning in again and uh, giving of your time to listen to the podcast. Um, we've had a little bit of a hiatus again. Uh, don't really, wouldn't say that I've just really had nothing to talk about, but just for different reasons, haven't really landed anywhere um, in any kind of a topic that I believe would land in the public forum. I did record something, I don't know, I bet it's been two weeks ago now. There's a couple things I've got kind of brewing. I, I want to be wise with what I share and, and what what I put out there. Um, you know, this, this I believe is a better way of communicating than, than many. Um, perhaps texting would be the absolute worst. <laughs> uh, the worst example of communication ever created is texting, right? I mean, we keep one another very informed, somewhat surfacey. Uh, it is a great way to communicate, like, short and concise and stay in touch. Um, but as far as, like, really communicating something, it's a pretty pathetic attempt at communication because um, things are very easily misunderstood. So, you know, there are things even in this context and in, in, in the delivery of um, actually hearing my voice that really need proper clarification and, and, and very diligent. Um, I just need, I just want to be careful to not be misunderstood in any way, to be saying something I'm in fact not saying or implying in any way. So there are a couple things on the back burner kind of going through the process of is it um, is it right for me to put that in the public forum? I don't know. That's beside the point. Today I'm just thinking as I'm driving out of um, a couple specific things that I feel like we'll land on today. And uh, again, it's in that same vein that same train of, of thought, which perhaps everything from here on out for me will be filtered through, which is that what is man reality. I mean, I think that that really is, man, that is a foundation, if there ever is one, to move out of, to move from into everything else is, is the purpose in all of creation. Um, as I started that series out, you know, a month ago, I mean, what is more foundational and necessary than going all the way back to the creation and purpose for humankind as a whole? Um, because obviously, we hear people talk about church foundations, and of course, we talk about that here in great measure. The foundations of being the body of Christ, the, the foundations of the church upon the earth and entering into that corporate reality. Of course, we talk about that in great measure. But I think it was very interesting that, you know, for me, it's kind of a going back, obviously, much further in the timeline of God and like really reclaiming the entire purpose of why He created man in the first place. Like, what was God's original intent? That was, as of course we've been talking about, surrendered and given away 
um, to Satan. Um, so in that reclaiming that and in that walking it out life, um, I'm finding it very, uh, I don't know what word, it's very centering for me. It brings everything back into the funnel of truth. Um, and it's a good platform. For me, it's a platform to move from, to rightfully have perspective that is ordered and eternal. And like, I mean, we talk about the church being the ancient path, which of course scripture talks about the ancient ways of our spiritual fathers, which is of course true. Um, but what's, what is more ancient than the outset of the creation of God? His very hand forming and fashioning and hurling the stars into the sky and setting the sun and the moon to order the day and the apple of his eye creation which is you and I, mankind and the forming of woman from man and just all the all of the imagery within the the order of God and um you know, a brother was sharing recently um, about some Hebrews 11 stuff, which is probably where I'm going to land today in measure. Um, and one of the things that he was talking about that really stirred in me um, was just really God's intent. I'm losing my train of thought on that one, admittedly. All right, I'm going to move on from that. I don't want to try to just sit here and spin my wheels. Maybe it'll come back to me at a, a different time as I'm talking. But what's on my mind this morning, yeah, that was really fleeting, wasn't it? It was right there and then poof, gone. <laughs> oh, gosh. Again, if I edited this, let's just take that out and be a little more fluid. But sorry, you're going to have to endure my... my uh, trying to gather my thoughts as they come out of my mouth. And so this morning I was thinking about lineage, heritage, um, seed, as we look at the origin of man and, and the command of God to the first generation of mankind to go forth and, and multiply. Cover the earth. Cover my earth with... Um, men, women, children, offspring that are in my image, in my likeness, in our likeness, the counsel of God. We won't even get into that. Um, I've touched on that before, but that's its own thing. Um, that's not for today. But God, His desire was to have the earth that He formed and fashioned and placed man upon. He placed His seed within mankind. His likeness, his image was made manifest within flesh and bone. And his intent was for that to be multiplied upon the earth. And within man, he placed seed to create offspring in his lineage, in his heritage, create a heritage upon the earth that brings me glory and declares to the heavenlies the awesome work of my hands. I mean, he made us, y'all. He made us out of dirt. The same dirt that you dug up in your garden 
the same dirt that your child plays in in his dump truck, that is what God made you from. Do we understand that? Do we really sit and think about the complexities of God and just the things that we, well, sure, yeah, God formed man out of the dust and dirt of the earth. Sure, of course. I've known that my whole life. Well, of course we've known that. But like this same dirt that I'm looking at on this hill is what God made me out of. He formed me. Do we know how intricate our bodies are? I love talking to people who are nurses or doctors or I remember back during, you know, my wife's pregnancy and just the the workings of the body and and even more so when I had my stroke back in 09, like the the intricacies of my body and like how it works and how it functions and man, it, we are we are an intricate finely formed, designed with supernatural intelligence being. The fact that we even can drive down this road or speak a word or have the comprehension to do the things that we see men do on the earth is miraculous. Because we were made from dirt. I mean, let that sink in. The, all of creation speaks of the glory and like awe of God. And we are that creation formed and fashioned and God's breath literally breathed into a natural man <coughs> created from literal dirt of the earth. Incredible. And so God, in that design, planted within man seed to multiply and reproduce. He did that with the grass, the trees. He did that with animals. I mean, it's fascinating to me to think about this, and I think I referenced it at some point in some previous message. I don't know. I know I talked about it in great length before, I just don't remember in what context. But it's fascinating to me, oh my gosh, I just remembered, I just had that epiphany. This is what a brother was sharing during the meeting the other day that I'm already expounding on and didn't realize it, is that God created man to reproduce from seed. Okay, so as I'm saying, and and I'll try to get to that train of thought that I'm just remembering, um, that God rested after all of creation. And I just really love this, this, this thought process, right? Okay, so God... God is on the scene, and we know the earth. We talked about this in part one, or the introduction of the status of the earth, which of course is very intriguing, and there are a million and one questions as to why the earth was in the condition that it was, but all we do know for sure is what it was. It was dark, it was formless, it was void, it was chaotic, it was, it was in a dire condition. 
Now, of course, that begs the question. I cannot ignore it. Why was it in such a state? Because God does not create things in such a way. But whatever the case, God is there. The Spirit is beginning to hover over waters and lands form and divide waters. And there are expanses in the sky. There are heavens that divide the earth up to the highest heaven where God himself lives. All these things, animals are created. Man is created. Order to the day and night is set. The moon and the stars illuminate the night. All set and ordered. Origin, years and years and years ago. Origin, O-R-E-O-R-I rather, G-E-N, wrote many great things about this. Um, The book of Enoch has a lot of things about this about the order of God's creation and all the way down to the winds that obey Him and come forth onto the earth at the discretion and the command that was set for them. That the sun is seen as a luminary and I don't, if you, uh, right there, some people are probably like, okay, I'm out. Well, that's fine. Go ahead. We're not talking Again, I keep coming back to this word. We're not talking some crazy crazy mysticism. We're talking about the fascinating supernatural God that we serve and how everything that he created exists for his glory and to keep his commands unto a set time. Is that not why creation is groaning? I'm not even going to get into that. They're longing for the perfecting of what God intended, the culmination of the ages, the end of this tired earth, this weary earth that has been under subjection of rebellion and fall and sin and depravity for so long. It's groaning. God, please redeem your creation. Of course, culminating in the new heaven and a new earth descending. And so God, in His perfect creation, He doesn't just pull up a chair and sit down because He's tired to rest. He's not exhausted from His labors, for God never slumbers nor sleeps. He's not as a person who becomes tired. He has no physical body. God is spirit. So we have to look at the resting of God. After his creation, he rested. Why? Because every single thing he did was perfectly ordered and set in motion. He rested and could rest because his perfect creation was set to bring about its spoken into order. He did his job. He did his task. So he rested, an active resting, a overseeing resting of the work of his hands that he created to such perfection, it was perfectly set and ordered and capable to carry out his purposes for all time. Because at that time, we have to remember, there was nothing fallen about creation. Can we imagine for a second what the paradise, Eden, 
reality was? What in the world did that earth even look like? What did man look like? What did everything, how did everything function before? Animals. All of creation was different then. And so God rested. He could rest because his creation was perfection. And there's so much within that even for us today about this entering the Sabbath rest. And there is some inner wrestling in me and in my wife about like, is there still an honoring of the Sabbath? Like in the, in the literal sense? Possibly. We're still looking into that. But the absolute sure thing is, is the spiritual side, if you will. The, the, it's not metaphorical in any way. It is reality, just the same as the natural. But it's more so a positioned resting in the works of God's hands. And in our case, post-cross, church age generation... We rest in the finished work of Christ. We walk, move, live, breathe, function out of the it is finished reality that Jesus the Christ accomplished to perfection on the cross. What was he doing? He was redeeming what was lost. He was redeeming what was forsaken by man so that we can now again enter the active rest of the perfect order of God, which I think is intricately tied into us understanding the what is man dominion reality. Because we're talking about entering into a rest of the finished work of Jesus, but in a very different way than it's usually promoted. (laughs) Most people that I know and have known in my life that promote the finished work reality, really often tend to fall back to the, I don't really have to do anything approach to to Christian living. The finished work of Christ reality has got to be followed up with the warnings of Paul and what he said, I believe, about grace and forgiveness. Like basically saying we could apply the same principle saying we have got to be careful and really standing attentive to make sure that the finished work of Jesus in my life does in no way mean I'm just waiting for Beulah land. Jesus the Christ completed the redemption of all mankind unto God? Yes. But he did that so that we can actively enter into and join with that finished work. Okay, the finished work, the resting in that fact is not the end. It's not the goal nor the plateau for us to attain. It is simply the fuel behind moving forward into the Christ is my life, life. The it is finished reality is it is finished and now I can become the seed the offspring of God once more, and because I was redeemed, that that limitation, if you will, that had to be approached to God in pre 
cross ways the law, the, the order of the temple, all of the Old Testament sacrificial ways and traditions that were in fact right and necessary and spoken of course by God himself for men to carry out in order to be found pleasing before him, acceptable in his sight. Jesus came and redeemed that. He came and fulfilled that so that we can now once more become the offspring seed of God by being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Redeemer of all things, the Restorer of all things. He was, again, I I always feel like I feel that, I can feel people hearing this and call me heretical, but Jesus was the seed for us to become in Him. We become as He was in His way that He carved out and thereby become the many brethren. We become His offspring. No longer the offspring of the first Adam, but the offspring of the last, which enables us to perpetually repeat, replenish, multiply that seed upon the earth. And so I've been thinking about our children primarily here in our fellowship. Of course, that's what's in my world. I think of I think of children that are in my family, my extended family. I think of different children just in my sphere of of life that I just know or know exist, you know, just children that come to my mind. And in soberness, I ask the question, and I ask you If you have children, whether your child is 18 months, 18 years, or 50 years, what are you reproducing? What offspring are you seeing? What attributes of the Christ are you seeing in your children that in fact came through you as a seed multiplied upon the earth? What are we reproducing? What heritage are we leaving? What will be the lineage of our life? Last night at dinner, my son is seven and a half now, and so we're beginning to have conversations that are so awesomely different than we've ever had before. Somehow we started talking, my wife and I, to him about our grandparents. I started sharing with him about um, my grandparents on my mother's side, which they died very young. Um, they, weren't, they weren't very, very young in age, but I was young because they were older. I want to say that my grandfather on my mother's side died when I was maybe eight. I can't, I can't be sure. We were, we were close. I remember him vividly. I remember visits to their house. Um, I remember many, many, many things from my childhood. And my grandmother, his wife, died, you know, years later, maybe four years later, I I couldn't even tell you. Five years later, I don't know. Um, But I was sharing 
about them, their house, their my grandfather's car. He he drove big old fancy Cadillacs, the 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 ten mile long versions. They lived next to a golf course, and my brother and I would collect golf balls from their yard. And I mean, I'm just sharing all these things, and my son is intently listening and intrigued because he's old enough now to like ask questions and engage in actual conversation. It was very, I don't know, it was just really, it was an enjoyable thing for me. I shared about my great-grandparents that are on my dad's side, and um, what an awesome privilege of like being, those, they were such big parts of my childhood, my great-grandparents. My great-grandfather was a railroad worker, Retired, of course, by the time I came along, and they lived in a, you know, out next to a farm, and he had little shops that he had built behind their house, and had all kind of wood tools, and he would make things out of wood and trinkets and whatever else he could find. He would laminate pieces out of magazines onto wood he would make and sand. They had mismatched carpet squares like carpet remnants like every color of the rainbow on the floor of their living room and my great grandmother had parakeets in their little washroom beside the kitchen and like I can envision every single bit of that house and exchanges and times I had with my great grandfather awesome times that still move my heart today because I had such an awesome childhood. I mean, I could sit down and write books about things we did because it's that vivid in my mind. I'm so grateful and thankful for that heritage in me. And I remember, I'm going to fast forward a million things that are just awesome nostalgia that I love to talk about. But I just remember all of those moments and I just think about the things that I experienced in my heritage, my familial heritage. And there are deep places in me that are very sorrowful that my son just won't have that. I mean, families just don't, nobody really lives in proximity anymore and geography has killed us. I mean, we've all spread all over the globe, right? I mean, if you have that, you're very blessed. Um, I've had people who complained about family being too close and too much and too involved and too this, and man, I, I was always quick to correct them and say, man, you better be careful. That's a blessing because I don't have that. Noah won't have that. He won't have that kind of familial heritage. He just won't. And you know, that's something that that we all have probably dealt with or are presently. And so I think often still about that. And I remember, man, I remember 15, 20 years ago having a real reckoning with having no lineage from me. Um, my wife and I never wanted children. We were dead set on it me more so than her. I was just closed door, no way, no how. 
a child would, in my definition at the time, ruin my life, which of course was true, but in a good sense. There was no way I was going to surrender all of my dreams and ambitions to take care of a child in my selfish depravity and foolishness. But I do remember having bouts of like, even in the midst of my absolute abhorrence of being a father to my just juvenile and ignorant understanding of what that even meant, I still remember having moments of like, but I've got, I've got no one to give anything to. Like, I can't pass on anything to anyone. I mean, yes, I spoke at churches and, you know, we worked with youth and, you know, there was that dynamic. But no, like, offspring from my life, lineage, heritage, none of that was on the map for us. And I remember several times even now, like 15 plus years ago of, Generally, when I would visit my family, primarily my grandfather, and like I've, I'm like I've got nothing to contribute to my family, in my selfishness. And I remember sometimes really being grieved by that, overriding my selfish ambition. Praise the Lord for that. But just the fact of like, I've got, I've got no one to give anything to. I've got no one to pass anything good in me on to. And you know, as I say that, I think of like, that was in a lot of cases quite true. Um, <laughs> not only did I not have anyone, I didn't really have much to give at that time of my life, in those seasons 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Not 30, that would be going a little too far, but it's been a long while. And so as I think about those things, it's like that, that fast forward to now, to today. And like the challenge that's before me is my son is getting older. He's beginning to ask spiritual questions. We begin to have a lot more dialogue about the Bible and you know, we, again, we don't talk about just Bible stories. You know, we don't have Bible stories. You know, we have the Word of God, like, in a book written and penned by God through men to instruct us and teach us. Not just Him, but instruct Daddy, too, <laughs> in the way that I should go. And so, I just want to pose the question... What is your heritage? What is my heritage? What is the lineage of my life? What are we passing on? If the go and multiply the image of God on the earth, go forth and multiply, let your seed be sown in order to multiply the image of God upon the natural earth and then bring them to a point of training and posturing of yielding their, their literal innermost place unto God so that Jesus himself, the mediator, led by the Holy Spirit, can move them into a surrendering of their life unto Jesus, the Redeemer, 
thereby making them a new creation, then they also become into the lineage and heritage of God. The offspring and seed of God because of our rightfully positioning them to enter into that reality for themselves. That's why, brothers, that's why when I talk so animated about the heresy gospel of asking Jesus into your heart and reciting a prayer down at an aisle, down the end of an aisle at a at an altar. Altar. Oh my goodness, we need to re reword that. We need to change the name of that. And like repeating a phrase and getting in a bulletin is not the goal. Right? I mean. Us being excited because our children said a prayer is not the goal. My goal is that my son is regenerated and recreated. That even at his young age, whenever the Lord's goodness leads him to repentance, leads him to turning away from something, can we acknowledge and say that our children are not just, well, he's just a little boy. You know how children are. No, no, no. We have to face the fact that they are outside of the lineage of God until we, under the lordship of God himself, instructed by the mind of Christ, as recreated, regenerated, new creation Christ men lead our children in training them in the way that they should go, we lead them into a reality of presenting themselves as living sacrifices unto Jesus Christ the Redeemer, the last Adam, in order that they become regenerated and recreated and become something that previously they were not. And they themselves literally become transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. And within the kingdom of light, they can be in the godly, eternal heritage. A redeemed creation, which presently pre pre-recreation, um, pre-salvation, they are not. They are not just bad children who just need Jesus. Say you want Jesus, Susie. Just say you want Jesus. You, oh, did, did you say it, honey? Did you say you need Jesus? Okay, let's call Pastor Jim. She said she wants Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's baptize her and throw her in the water and amen. Let's have a party. Oh, people, I'm telling you, I cannot put into words how that makes me feel. Because I know that's my generation's approach to the gospel and salvation. I know it. May it not be so for this generation of the narrow way people. Narrow way. It is hard to find. It is hard to find. 
and even harder to walk once you find it. And the only way you or me or our children or anyone else who will come after us in our lineage will ever find it is if someone speaks the word unto them and says, I have been, I am on the way. I have found the way of Christ Jesus who has gone before me. He has been the forerunner Messiah. He has carved out a path for me and all of mankind to walk. And brother, let me tell you, I found it. I'm in it. So here it is. And brother, it's narrow. It is, con- it is constricting. It is constraining. It is painful. And unless you drop every single thing that you're carrying, you're not getting in. You're not getting in. And the only way that stuff, that junk is getting back on you is if you get out. Because there's no room. There's no room here, brother. There's no room in these confines for that garbage anymore. It's a narrow way, friends. It is a narrow path. We have to believe that. The way we are trying to get our children into is narrow. They are not just going to fall into it like it's a Grand Canyon. Wide way Christianity will not lead our children into the heritage of Jesus the Christ. The wide way leads to destruction. It leads to death. And wide, wide, wide is that way. It's a 20-lane highway to get to destruction. And you can drive it on autopilot. You just hit the cruise button and you go. And it will seem enjoyable. It'll seem pleasant. It will seem easy because everything on it is lined with billboards that cater to you and my desires. But it will not lead into the godly heritage, the godly lineage. It cannot. Because what? Few will find it. Few will find it. We have got to labor to make sure, brothers, that we are in fact the few. It's not prideful for me to say, God, I'm going to be one of the few. I will be one of the few that find it. And when I find it, I'm going to stay in it. So, friend, are you doing that? Step back and look at your life and the order of your day. The events and the activities of your children. What will be their godly lineage and their heritage? What will it be? Multiply what they are giving themselves to and what you are positioning them unto accomplishing and perfecting and practicing. You multiply that by 40 years. What is the result? If you multiply, place out on a table 
what your children give themselves to presently, what my son gives himself to because we order his day. Multiply that by 40. 40 years of that approach. What do we have? Do we have godly offspring? What is our seed reproducing? Is it wheat? Is it tares? Is our soil hard and rocky that some good stuff comes up and seems to flourish and then it goes away and is burned up? What is the condition of the hearts of the soil of our children? And what is it we're scattering upon it? What are we reproducing? Friend, what is your heritage? What is and what will be the evidence of your lineage? And may we all reorder our homes and truly evaluate the condition of our endeavors. Because we can no longer say that we are Christians, followers of the way of Jesus the Christ, if we don't have a life that is evidence of that. If we are not reproducing offspring of Jesus, then we have no right to say we are in fact in his lineage and scattering the eternal spiritual seed upon those under us in our lineage. So be encouraged today. Be challenged. Be offended. Get riled up. Get mad at me. Get mad at yourself. Get mad at the devil for robbing you of purpose. Repent, turn, cry out to God and say, God, what am I doing? What are we doing with our household? And then turn away and cast off every single thing that cannot be taken down the narrow way. May we reproduce. May we be found actively reproducing the multiplicity of the kingdom of God on the earth as God intended at the outset. May we go forth and multi multiply the image of the invisible, the likeness of God perpetually replenishing the earth with his glory in bodies of flesh and bone. God, may it be so. It cannot happen unless, God, you stir in us by your Spirit something beyond good ideas or something beyond fleeting and momentary excitement over a matter. Lord, we need an eternal purpose deep-seated within us and how we parent, how we train, 
how we come under your rightful authority, preeminently seated upon the throne of our lives and our every endeavor that comes out from that place. So God, have your way. Find a generation who is faithful again. Look upon the earth and say, is there any faithful? May we lift our hands and say, yes and amen. We will be the faithful ones. We will fail. We will fall. We will mess up. We will say, help my unbelief. We at times will be unbelieving. But Lord, we align ourselves with your will and your plan that you rested back from inactive perfection. Reflecting upon the perfection of the work of your hands. So may we do likewise. And enter into the multiplication of your seed and your offspring on the earth. Amen.